Hello and welcome to Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Wary, in which we hear insights and tips from leaders on how they and the teams they're a part of are creating a psychologically safe and high-performing environment. It is my aim to illuminate ways for you to increase your own levels of psychological safety in teams and how you can set up the conditions for others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the discussions. Hello and welcome. I am delighted to have with me today, David Shepherd. David is currently the Group Head of Network Investment and Maintenance with Essential Energy. David started his journey as a cadet and graduate engineer with Osgrid before joining Endeavour Energy to lead the rollout of a large technology transformation project focused on enabling operational groups to operate more efficiently. Strong stakeholder relationships were the key to the success of the project, given the large change it had to the way operational teams worked. More recently, David has held a number of senior leadership positions with Essential Energy and has a proven track record of rapidly creating psychologically safe relationships with stakeholders internally, but also externally to Essential Energy. And so with that, David, I'm delighted to have you here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. And David, in this series, Series 3, we're really turning our attention now to focusing on psychological safety with stakeholders. So really turning our attention outside of the team almost and thinking about how do we manage the building of psychological safety in our interactions with key stakeholders. So my first question to you would be, do you work to intentionally build psychological safety with stakeholders? It's it's interesting because I'll be absolutely honest with you. Psychological safety was not something that I was intentionally developing up in my team until the last few years. Really what I was trying to do when I was building my team, I'd go back to the same things you read in a lot of textbooks, which is how do you get people to buy into the vision? How do you build that positive can-do attitude? And what I found was that that would only get you so far. And what I love about psychological safety is that it can be quite powerful because it anchors you back to the fact that we're all humans. We're all here trying to do the best that we can do. And psychological safety for me was that critical component that allowed us to build that really high-performing team faster. And if I bring that back to stakeholders in particular, I would have a very similar concept where I wasn't actually very much, I wasn't very intentional in developing psychological safety until recently. So I was trying to build authentic leadership through my leadership style, positive interactions, and really going above and beyond with everything that I did to get good outcomes. So for me, that would only get you to about 80% of the way. That last 20%, if you want to become a truly exceptional leader, you really need to look into the psychological safety for your stakeholders. And for me, what that's unlocked, it's meant that now I've got a really hardworking stakeholder relationship with a lot of my counterparts, and that's resulted in the extension of my team. I can harness the power of multiple perspectives now without people being feared of sounding incompetent or worried about what ramifications there might be for speaking their mind. And it really allows you to fast track outcomes as one team. And so in previous episodes, I think 
a lot of your listeners would have heard from some amazing leaders about how you do create psychological safety in your own team. The good news is a lot of that can be translated into stakeholders. But one thing I will call out, it's tougher with stakeholders. And that's pretty much for the main reason that you don't have as much control over stakeholders in your own team. You can have a three-day workshop. You can have your team brief where you create intentional psychological safety in your team. When you're dealing with stakeholders, you don't really have a choice with who you're dealing with. So the chances of having an artificial harmony is just so much higher. And so it just means you have to be really intentional to fast track that psychological safe environment and just be extremely intentional in all of your interactions to ensure it stays intact. Oh, beautiful, David. I love the expression artificial harmony. That's certainly not the fast track to um, to good outcomes, is it? <laughs> but what I'm really hearing you talk about, I feel so aligned with this idea. I love the idea of your stakeholders almost becoming an extension of your team. And what I can hear, certainly now you really are thinking intentionally about how you're building those interactions. So how do you do that, David? What are the key elements that you keep in mind as you work to do that? So by no means am I an expert. So I've been very fortunate in landing some really key roles that have allowed me to get some senior leader positions, a number of them, and land some really big technology projects. And when I reflect on why I was so successful in those roles, it was really because of having that intentional stakeholder relationship and really putting that up on a pedestal. And so when I really went through it, I found that there was likely three key things that I'd suggest the listeners to really lean in on to build that really strong foundation. And I've come up with about five other items that are really key to maintain and build that psychological safe environment. And so if we start with the first three, the first one is to make sure that we build a common purpose from the outset. And this is really important because it creates that clarity on what you're working on, it creates that podium for you to speak from while you're going on that journey for that psychological safe environment. And if you're internally, and we talked about fast-tracking this relationship, if you're internally, one thing you should be aware of to fast-track that relationship is that you generally have a company mission purpose, something that you're all working to. Bring that out into the light and use that as your starting position. At Essential Energy, one thing I was pretty shocked at was nearly everyone in the organisation had this common phrase or this common anchor point to make decisions on and it was if customers are getting better value for money as a result of that decision then do it and if they're not then don't do it and I thought that was just beautifully simple to fast track decisions and really move us forward rapidly as an organization so every time I have an interaction with my stakeholders internally use that as the starting position and see how we feed into that as a group or as a team the next one I'd call out is understanding the ways of working. So it's not good enough just to have that common purpose. What you need to take yourself to the next level is to have a clear understanding of the ways of working. What do you need from each other? And it's pretty simple to get that. You ask two very, very simple questions. What do I need from you? And what do you need from me? And you don't have to create a workshop, no worksheets or anything like that. You just ask the question in your next interaction and I guarantee you'll be surprised at how fast it elevates you to that next level to have a really clear understanding on what you need for each other. The third item is what I call authenticity as a leader. And it's really key to building that strong trust as a partnership together. Internally, you do have an advantage here that's worth calling out to fast track it. 
but only if you've got a really strong brand. So it all comes down to what that perception is of your peers inside your organization. So if you've got a really strong, trustworthy, tenacious, easy to do business brand, then you're going to be able to create that psychological environment with your peers very quickly. But if you have a poor brand, then it just means you're going to have to put in a lot more effort to try to recover and create that psychological safe environment. And so if you don't really know what your brand is, or for me, I spent a lot of my leadership career really using intuition to guide my decisions and how I acted in certain situations. But I found that when I spent the time to really understand deeply, what is my brand? What are the four things that I am, uh, I've got a strength in? What are my values? And boil that down to about four items. And I've literally got it written down here about being tenacious, empowering and results focused. I can now go into a really stressful meeting and anchor myself back to that to make sure that I'm staying true to my brand. And if I'm off the mark, because we're all human, sometimes we don't quite nail it. I know when I need to call up a stakeholder or a peer where I've missed the mark to apologize or think through how I can do it better next time. And if you're, as we said, if you've got a rocky brand, that's okay, but you, you genuinely are going to spend three to six months trying to recover that position. So you have to be very intentional to understand what your brand is and showcase that through action. Externally, it's in a similar situation as if you had a bad reputation because people don't really know what your true intentions are. And so what I say to my team is that you need to demonstrate it through action to create that psychological safe environment. So you don't do lip service. If that's all it is, then that relationship can quickly deteriorate and that psychological safe environment goes with it. So what I say is that when you get that email that's asking for help, when you're getting a phone call mid-meeting, answer that phone, send that text message to know that you're listening. And that's how you can develop up a really rapid, authentic relationship with that stakeholder. So we've gone through three key things to build that strong foundation. I'll just go through now five items that I think will be able to take that relationship to the next level. The first one is around no triangles. And I quite love this concept. It's all about not talking about that person behind their back. So you go straight to the source if you've got an issue because it can be an absolute time waster trying to build a coalition around someone's back. But the other point here is that it's really poor perception because they're going to be thinking, what are you saying behind my back? The next one is around calling out issues immediately. So if you've found that something hasn't gone to plan, you think there's a better way that you should be working with that stakeholder, I always suggest to call that person up. And the main reason for that is you try to write some things down in email that's trying to create a, uh, to try to fix a certain issue, or if you've got a dispute, the problem you've got with that is you don't know how they're going to interpret that email. You don't know what condition their mindset is in that state, and you have no control how they're going to perceive it. If you give someone a quick phone call, you can really cut through all of that, understand how they're feeling through listening to uh, their emotions on a phone call, or even better in person, you can see what their face is doing. The next one is around no surprises. So in your meetings, if you've come across something that doesn't shine another stakeholder in good light, do not bring that up in a meeting where there's multiple parties that could change their perception and take them off guard. And the main reason for that is because it can make it look like that you've got an ulterior motive here. A much better way to handle that situation is to go to that stakeholder and call out, hey, I found that we're falling behind on this metric or that I found some behavior that wasn't quite up to our values that I think we need to talk through. 
doing that one-on-one is a much better approach than doing that in a group setting. So no surprises. Number four is about being inquisitive. So I quite like this phrase in that if someone has called out something that you don't agree with or they've got a viewpoint on how you could do something better, not to be defensive, to replace that with, well, why are they thinking that way? You've got an awesome advantage. If you've built this coalition of stakeholders that are outside looking in, in most cases, they've got something to say and it's worth listening to. And the last one, so the last one is around attacking the problem and not the person. And this one is all about creating that psychological safe environment for people to call out issues. So if they call, if they find something that's wrong, I always say to my team, call it out early, come up with options and how you can fix it, and then to learn from it. And if you do those three things, I'm more than comfortable us admitting that we've got it wrong, but we're going to have a game plan on how we can correct it as a team. So having that mentality and making sure that everyone understands what our expectation is for when we get something wrong, it means that people aren't going to bury it. They're going to put it up into the light, be transparent and work together on how we can get an outcome. Oh, David, just just so much gold in that. What I heard you say was you start with thinking about the organisation, that it starts there and that's what's going to be the common thread between you all and then looking for the commonality between you. The other thing I heard you talk a lot about was perception and really being careful and mindful about how to manage perception as well as uh, having done that, taking action that then reinforces that perception to ensure that both your personal leadership brand, but also the team's brand is upheld and you are all seen as a team that people want and would choose to do business with. The the other piece, David, that's really cutting through everything you're talking about is humanness, about being human. And really, to me, that is the absolute essence of everything that you're talking about. You know, if you can cut through all of that and talk human to human, that's where you are most likely. So things like picking up the phone, for instance, that's where you're gonna get the best outcome, yeah. And as you think about that, David, and as you do take on those, the action points that you've raised there, what do you see as the kind of very high level key benefits of doing that? So when you think about a good leader, you often think about someone who can get the most out of their team. But when you think about it, the limitation you have is you're only as capable or you can only produce as much work as the number of staff in your team. An exceptional leader can develop up really strong stakeholder relationships to, in effect, expand their team. So you go from a small battalion into an army to get things done extremely quickly. So that is the absolute key for an exceptional leader. The other benefits are that you're creating allies you're getting trusted partners that can provide you really strong feedback from outside looking in that you just simply can't get when you're really close to the coalface. And that is a really strong advantage. And if you can harness that, it sends a really strong signal to your stakeholders that you're here to improve and continuously adapt to meet your stakeholders' needs. Inside of our branch and Essential Energy, we call ourselves like a service center. Everything that we do is serving someone, whether it's internal or external. So having that mindset of continuously adjusting and adapting to get the most out of what we do and the best value from our customers or for our customers is absolutely critical for us. One of the other key benefits that was a little bit unexpected, it was how we respond in a crisis. So Essential Energy has come across some very difficult circumstances in the past three years. Creating that psychological safe environment before we got onto the ground was critical. 
So one thing that we called out to our team was, as long as your decision-making results in a safe outcome and connections to the network fast for everyone who was affected on site, then that was a decision that we're going to support and we're going to back you 100%. So that means the team aren't worried making some decisions that they thought could blow back in their face in a normal business's usual operations. So we wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't have that psychological safe environment. You've used a couple of times the example of having what I would call the strategic narrative, which can just be a very short sentence to give everyone a sense of we need to be moving in this direction. So for instance, I was working with a team recently, their strategic narrative was we start with the end in mind. And that informed everything and every decision that they made. They had a particular outcome that they were working towards, and that then informed the choices and the way they interacted on a day-to-day basis. I've heard you use that that different example, of course, but that kind of idea a number of times to really give teams the freedom to take accountability and to make choices about how they're going to take actions. Absolutely. It's one of those things that I think if you be really intentional in selling a message and bringing it to life for our teams, it's something that they can grab and run. I think we can often, as leaders, get in a trap of reading a textbook for various concepts. And the, the most difficult part is really bringing that to life and speaking to something, speaking it in a way that really speaks to our staff. And I would say not just with your staff, but of course, as we're talking about, with other stakeholders, really supports alignment. And it's interesting that you... Uh, talk about um, not just talking theoretically, David. So I'm interested in terms of all that you've shared here, are there any key challenges that you have come across or that you notice as you as you go about taking this very intentional approach? One of the biggest challenges that I've found is that building psychological safe environments within your team, the one advantage you've got is you can choose your team in most cases which means if someone doesn't fit your mold, the culture, the values that you want as a team, then you cannot hire them. But with your stakeholders, you don't get a choice. So one of the keys here is you can have a really strong psychological safe environment that can take days to form, or it can take months or even years to really get to a strong position. And that's okay, but it's absolutely worth going through the motions to make sure that you get yourself to a point where you can have open and honest conversations because it will accelerate. While it feels difficult now, there will be a time where you'll be able to accelerate together and that's really what you're aiming for. It's like investing in a bank account. So it Absolutely. can feel painful initially or you're super. You know, it can feel painful at the time, but further down the track, um, you know, it's, it's a real value and comes back tenfold. I think that takes us really nicely, David, to my final question, which would be, do you have three top tips for our listeners as they think about going about building psychological safety with their key stakeholders? So three top tips, I think, would be making sure you focus on creating that common purpose early and really allowing you to quickly understand what you need from each other. It's something that can be easily overlooked, but can it really get you set off in the right path as quick as possible? The other one is really understanding and being in tune with your brand and leverage it when you're developing up new uh, relationships with your stakeholders. And the last one is to be very conscious in your interactions to maintain it and build on it. You don't really get as many opportunities to build that interaction or build that relationship with your stakeholders compared to your team. So having it front of mind every time you interact to be very intentional on what signals you're trying to send 
to make sure that you are developing and working towards that psychological safe environment. Yeah, great. And I would add that it's so essential to keep that as part of your ongoing cadence and to be circling back and having that conversation ongoingly. David, thank you so much for being part of today. You've given us some really great gold nuggets to think about as we move forward in working with stakeholders. Thank you. Thanks, Sheila. It was a pleasure. You've just been listening to Series 3 of Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Werry. If you've enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and go over to my website, eiexecutive.com.au and there you'll find all the other episodes from Series 1, 2 and 3. I wish you all the best.